podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Tuesday, the 21st of January 2020. My name's Patrick Smith. It's been say another it. week. Yeah. It's, it's been another yeah, mixed weekend for the Belfast Giants. Ding! <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. How many times this season have we had to say that? But that's been the case. Another win on a Saturday, another loss on a Sunday, unfortunately, the Giants struggling to find that weekend consistency. But another weekend is around the corner and we'll see what that brings. We've got a hell of a show for you. We'll be talking about the games in Glasgow and in Sheffield. Quick look around the league, maybe talking about some drums being banned. Uh, we chat to David Goodwin and ask him your questions on the fan agenda before looking ahead to the game at home against Glasgow, uh, Glasgow. You'll see why. And uh, <laughs> and uh, travelling back over to Surrey to face Guildford. And for that, we'll have a chat with the head coach of the Guildford Flames, Paul Dixon. Mr. McJimsey, how are you? Apparently, I'm not bad. Um, it's been Good. It's been very cold. Very cold here this week. So yeah. I uh, indulged the kids tonight and made them a big pot of Ulster stew. Nice. We trifle afterwards. We've had, the, we've had the wood burner going more or less every night now. It's been Baltic up in Manchester, I have to say. Just that time of year, I suppose. Mr. Neil, how are you? Knackered, I All believe. Uh, just, just a wee bit tired, boys. It's been a full-on couple of weeks. The, the big boss man has been off on his travels, so I've been single-handedly turning the cogs of the Northern Irish hospitality industry. You know how it goes, but not look, I'm all right. It's nice to be in your company. Can confirm Belfast is also absolutely freezing. Joel's pub You've been club. drinking, basically. <laughs> that's 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 industry research, David. Thanks very much. Humble, <laughs> humble yourself. Nice. Got you. Nice, nice. <laughs> what you throw in your stew, David? Standard. Uh, it's 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 pretty similar to an Irish stew, just a little less bitter. Um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, onions, carrots, spuds, a bit of stock, and uh, let it boil away till it's ready. Boil it to within an inch of its life. That's it, mate. Man. What do you what do you put? Sorry to keep to the stew, but what do you put in stew? There's a bit of hot takes about that. See, when I was growing so, up, I was always told that you could put milk in stew, and I do that a wee bit of milk on the top, and people say it's absolutely disgusting. No, no I've, I've, welcome to your stew from the bridge. It's it's Pride Weekend. You take your stew whatever way you want your that's stew. That's absolutely right. quality and stew. Oh my. God. We, but I just I, I, I browned off a little bit of diced beef. Yep. I threw the onions in. Yep. Threw the carrots in. Let them sweat down onions? for maybe. Uh, yeah, well, chop them anyway. I put a, I put um, a, I see it's a, I put in spuds, meat, bit of stock, carrots, sometimes some mushrooms just for a bit of. Oh no, no. Shrimps and, the, and then mushrooms and stew. Yeah, don't knock it. You tried. Don't knock it. You tried. Then I take. Then I take. Well, let me finish. Then I take a full onion and I put the onion in the water and then oh, basically let the cut. onion soak out and then take the onion out. You've got driven out of the and west for behaviour like that. And if you were my granny, 
My granny would take a big dose of uh, HP sauce and just add it to the mix. Well, it's funny. I so I browned off the as I say, browned off the steak pieces, um, chopped the onion, threw it in, threw the carrots in, sweat them off for about fifteen, pint of water, let that simmer away for about an hour, nice. then put the spuds with the vegetable and beef stock in, let that simmer for about an hour, and that was ready. And I got I invited one of the the neighbours from round the way estate, brought her up for dinner with her wee dog. And I did set the bottle of brown sauce in front of me, and she looked at me like, "Was something wrong with me?" But yeah, crusty crusty bread, a bit of brown sauce, man. Your plate and your hot stew sandwich, boys. Stew yeah. sandwich, like sit like lanyard. Funny, Ruby, Ruby had it. Ruby had a stew sandwich. Unbeatable. Real butter. Four anyway, minutes, what's this show about? Four, four minutes in, it's been dominated by stew. As I said, stew for the bridge. bridge. <laughs> in fact, we'll throw that out there to the listener. How do you like your stew? At AVFTV <laughs> on Twitter, let us know. Right, let's get stuck in, boys. Game one of the past weekend was over at the shopping centre in Brayhead to take on the Glasgow clan. Um, a 5-2 victory for your Belfast Giants. Two for Morgan, one on the power play. One for Lowney on the power play. Hook and Pierce rounded out the scoring for the Giants. Johnson and Beckett on the power play for the clan. We've got goals. Owen, 37 shots against. Jordan McLaughlin in nets for the clan. Uh, 28 shots against. Um, your referees, Randy Miller, and the best referee in the Northeast, because his mum told me, Steve Brown. Um, Davey, I think one of the headlines from this game would obviously be the four goals in 98 seconds in the second period, but they give us the chance what would be a 5-0 lead. However, going back 20 minutes into the first period, and that was somewhat of a penalty festival. The game just got off to, you know, we talked in my favourite section of the show about all the things that we shouldn't do, you know, about getting off and being disciplined. That was our number. I think that was top of our list to do in away games, especially, was to be disciplined on the road. 257, 353, 529, 8, 1209, 1505, you know, spearing, checking the head, cross-checking, tripping, interference, interference. You know, it didn't go particularly well for us. We played pretty much that first period shorthanded, able to come up with a goal, which was, um, in, you know, in between in between those, we came up with our own power play goal. Um, <coughs> excuse me, Liam Morgan coming up with a, a marker, which, you know, gave us a little bit of something to hold on to in that first period. Came out and just blew them away in that sort of 90, 100 second spell, which killed the game dead. Um, you know, just felt a little bit for Jordan McLaughlin because he just overwhelmed them for just a just a couple of minutes there. And the, you know, the, the Giants, when they smell blood in the water, are pretty pretty tremendous team, and and they got those goals, got well in the lead. And for me, sort of thirty minutes in the game, started thinking about Sunday a wee bit too yeah. much. Took the foot off the gas a little. Bit. Third period, there was massive pushback from the. Um, from the Glasgow clan, and uh, you know, it's one of those glad we had the lead at that stage because it could have been a much more uncomfortable period of hockey had we not had the lead. We played containing hockey as well, but we let them inside a little bit too much, got a little bit too much on Shane Owen. He was busier than he probably needed to be. I think that we play better in attack mode, if you like to call it that, and uh, you know, that that showed in that sort of early second period pressure and we came up with those goals really quick. Um, Lowney getting that first one was key coming out in that second period because we'd killed so many penalties. 
you know, you're not getting your lines running. We talk about this all the time, the discipline issues. I'm sure we'll come on to it in Sunday's game as well. So don't want to don't want to hog the mic on Joel there. But, uh, you know, all in all, you go to Glasgow and you come away with two points. You have to be happy enough. I think it's this game is much of a much of I guess Joel from as Davy put it because on thirty minutes it was more or less a, a complete contest, um, but it it did show as Davy says that the Giants can be ruthless in front of goal when they have to be. Yeah, very much so. Uh, little little uh, anxious in the opening minutes though. Uh, tough weekend on the road for Boston Chiefs. We really did put the foil on in the first like period of that game absolute penalty festival as you say patty and uh, sadly that became sort of a running theme throughout the weekend actually you can top and tail that game with running themes we we opened it up with taking far too many penalty minutes which continued to plague us into sheffield the next day but also as davy said there you know taking it down a gear towards the ends kind of coasting with that lead that's been a running theme throughout the season and it's got us into some sticky situations and i think back to some of the post-game interviews one stands out with jeff mason in particular when I said to him, you know, was that part of the game plan? Like, you have a game tomorrow? Did you sit back there? And he's like, no, to be honest, you know, that's that's something we're looking to eliminate. So, you know, uh, but for, uh, and I don't want to take away from, uh, I very much enjoyed seeing the score updates rolling in as uh, as we bared down and, and absolutely hammered uh, that goal. But without McLaughlin and Nets, I don't know, that would maybe be a bit of a different game. We could have maybe let the, the discipline slip from us a wee bit there. Um, really, really glad to see Liam Morgan opening up the scoring. Uh, and then obviously the avalanche of goals that come in straight after. Um, there's obviously positives from it. Um, but I probably as as ugly a win as as you can get on the road. Uh, the boys were just uh, were were all out in every facet of the game there. But listen, uh, two points is a prisoner this year, so I'm just going to take any two points that's coming. Davy, is this a? Can you make a fair assessment with all respect to Jordan McLaughlin? Can you make a fair assessment on Glasgow from this game? They do have their problems. They're playing something like. Is it something like nine games in 20 days or, or something like that over this next wee while? It's a difficult schedule for them, but they are, what, four points off the drop zone for regards to the playoffs. Are they struggling? Statistically and on the ice, they're struggling. I know that um, Fitzgerald will not have been happy with, you know, basically being handed a, a first period of, of extra man. Um and coming away one nil down, you know that'll be a, a massive frustration for him. He'll have gone in at, at the first period break and been, what nurse going on here, lads? You know he's been given a free kick there, and you just haven't taken it. For him, he, he probably was pleased with his third period, but ultimately, as they as they rattle down the league, like they're slipping down that ladder quicker than you know October. They were talking about who can stop the Glasgow clan and, and now it's like you know are they going to get into the playoffs which will be will be now a really quick rejig of their aspirations you know in October they would probably be looking at them going you know what get through this Challenge Cup mm-hmm. group you never know we have a good team we're sitting top of the league blah blah and, and now they're they are in free fall and that the, the bleeding needs to stop I think that's their biggest problem they just can't get you know it, it's one of those where sometimes you say players just want to play games and it's better than training. Well, sometimes a week off and getting in and doing a wee bit of training, and I don't mean physical training, I mean as much on the mental side of things and the preparation and, and gameplay scenarios, you know, they're struggling out on, the, out on the ice, night in, night out at the minute. And he maybe just needs to reset a few things, maybe try and tweak a few things. And at the minute, he doesn't have time. He's having to make those changes on the fly during games. And 
it's just not working for them at the minute. It's something that's going to have to be addressed or they're going to find themselves in a real battle for that eighth spot. Can I ask you guys a question on this one? Uh, Sorry to turn it on you, Paddy, but this game really set off a touch paper with the Glasgow fan base. I don't know if you saw Twitter after it, but um, they're obviously under the cards this year as it is. But there's a a kind of persistent theme that, that they feel kind of like the forgotten about brother of the Nottingham Panthers to a certain regard. They're, they're saying, you know, uh, the the lack of, of on and off ice investment is really beginning to cost them. Would you put it down to, uh, some, you know, sort of a lack of interest from ownership in terms of Glasgow having all of the sort of potential and all of the facilities and whatever else to be a big club, quote unquote, in this league? Or do you think it's the roster that Zach Fitzgerald has or is it Zach Fitzgerald himself? What's your sense of that? It's really interesting to see their fans uh, kind of taken off this week. I think I don't think they've got a case. Um, you see that when there have been changes needed, or there've been players, they've had players come in. There has been investment in it. I know that you know Gareth does. I know Gareth, and I've cards on the table. I'm a, I'm a I'm a friend of Gareth, and I have a lot of time for him, and I've known him for a long time. And I know that he's a well clued in hockey guy. He was he was yeah. well clued, you know, done a great job when he was working with the Newcastle Vipers and, and he had his own hockey agency and you know, he knows how to run a hockey club and okay, a bad season. I think fundamentally for me, I wasn't a big fan of the uh, appointment of Zach Fitzgerald as a coach right. to begin with. I think that that, that was a, that, I think that's a difficulty for them. And, and while yes, okay, you could say that we, we brought Adam Keefe in who was a, you know, hard on his hard on his sleeve you know throwing the fist tough guy and he's come in and he's taken over and he's won the league and he's won two two cups and he's won a conference and maybe they looked at Zach Fitzgerald thinking well he's the same sort of mold let's bring him in but you've got a different different uh, I think you've got a guy of different level hockey intelligence I think that you know I think that Adam Keefe outshines him on that and I think that I think that Zach Fitzgerald is not a great appointment for them with that I don't think with regards to being a What's like you say being the, the 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 forgotten brother of the Nottingham Panthers? It, I don't know. The investment wise, that's up to the Black family, and, and you know that the likes of, of Jamie and, and Freddie and all they've always been behind what was the project that was going on or is going on up in Glasgow, and and we've seen players come in, we've seen players come out when they've needed coverage. Okay, Zach's put the uh, the skits on when when they've been really short, but then yeah. Adam Keith put the skits on for us a couple of seasons ago when we were really short that sometimes that has to happen unfortunately you know Omar Pasha's put the skates on when he's had to step out at Dundee that is just what happens are they going to are they struggling because of investment from and people are focusing on Nottingham there might be a natural aspect of that if Nottingham are on a push that the the Glasgow are are going to be you know not focused on, but that that's the financial situation within the the Black family and how they invest. Are they relying on Glasgow to you know de- develop their own revenue where in a smaller rink, whereas Nottingham are obviously successful with their revenue in a, in what is a larger rink? It's a it's a difficult one for them, you know. But I know your love of the of the Glasgow clan, man. Where's the car? Yeah, I'm sure you're I'm sure you're absolutely devastated. Listen, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll move on from this game um unless you've got a point to make me i just i i have always said you know i i wasn't a fan of of the brayhead clan uh their their former kind of uh guys and and i think they did a lot of things 
wrong, hilariously wrong, to be honest. And bar the odd kind of uh, foam finger for a cow that's got claws like a bear, I largely think that guys like Gareth Chalmers, Jerry McLaughlin in the background of that club are doing really good work with the sort of limited time and resource they have as a small team. And I mean, as a small team of staff. It just it, it it would frustrate the life out of me. I tweeted this week saying I'd be pulling my hair out if I was a Glasgow fan because they have I don't know, I just think all the pieces are scattered there. I think they've got a great facility. They have a, a loyal fan base. I think the branding is spot on. I think the marketing is good. It could probably be better in terms of investment and how widespread it is. But year after year after year they just keep having these false dawns i think there's a title in that club but it just fascinates me how it so reliably falls apart and it, and it really seems to be doing it spectacularly this year but it's interesting to hear your take patty you should talk more on this show actually <laughs> no no that's not needed um <laughs> the highlights from clan tv are available on a website called youtube um never heard of it game two uh, and as so much as the game two game two of the weekend uh, as has happened so many times this season, unfortunately, it was a defeat in Sheffield this time against the Steelers. But uh, a four-one, we scored four-one for Sheffield <laughs> against your Belfast Giants. The only goal for the Giants coming from Smotherman on the power play. With regards to Sheffield, three power play goals: Trosinski, Eberle, Davies, and then an empty netter from Bettler, uh made it four-one. Uh, in goals, Owen, 28 saves. Duba, 23 saves. Your refs were Hogarth and Thompson. Um, a difficult night, Joel. Uh, and I'm just going to go straight to it because I think the game was killed by the Giants losing their number one PK man in Matt Pellich. Yeah, look, uh, all you need to do is look at the score and summary for the story of this game. The only uh, even-strength goal was an empty netter. Well, it wasn't even even-strength. It was an empty netter. It was... Yeah a six on five uh, not a single five on five goal in this entire thing and, and that really tells the story Giants discipline woes from the night before in Glasgow definitely plagued them uh, the the hot point of the game and I completely agree the game was lost when Matt Pellich was kicked out for what was called on ice as a check into the head was very very obviously pretty instantly from everybody who saw it and, and all of the screen grabs and everything else that ended up on Twitter uh, it didn't even rise above his kind of I guess peck his chest is, is under his shoulder, um, you know. And then the, the discussion began. You know, he, he, there there are, I would say, fair arguments for the fact that he came back on uh, on the hit. He came from low to high in terms of his his body position, and those are the kinds of things that you hear Dop cite. But the fact remains that the call on ice was uh, a game misconduct for a check to the head, and that's not what it was. <coughs> you, you can't just retrospectively yeah, go in and try to lay. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't. It's the the call on ice is the the reason that Matt Pellich was ejected, and that was a terrible call. Now, I I'm not going to be completely teal tinted in my reply. I think that Matt Pellich probably could have conducted himself better. Um, I think it tells the story of the Giants' sort of reckless streak throughout the weekend uh, in terms of the number of penalty minutes that they took. Um, but the the fact remains that it must be standalone one of the worst calls I've seen in a long time, definitely this season. Davey, I'm going to stick with this call. You know, obviously, that it did affect the Giants in a big way. We've said many times that Matt Pellich is our number one PK guy. As Joel says, you know, three power play goals that they go on to score. Um, it wasn't a check to the head? No, it wasn't. Um, I don't <laughs> know if you, if you really need me to elaborate on that. Joel said it as well. You know, he's caught him sort of nipple high and 
and obviously he's spun him backwards. He's sort of dumped it in, and he's he's on the brakes. So when Pelly hits him, it obviously flicks him backwards, and, and maybe makes it look worse than it was. People have gone to try and find, you know, once we've seen, right, it's and a bit like Joel said there, once we've established that it's not a check to the head or neck area, people are kind of, oh, well, then let's look and find a rule that it might have broken. Yeah, um, that's how it works. <laughs> they, they talked about the late hit rule, which could essentially fall under that if it wasn't 0.6 seconds between releasing the puck and being hit. To me, that's not a late hit. Um, I think it's telling that it's now late on Tuesday night for a game that was on Sunday and there has been no response for Dops. There's not going to be um, because it's just the wrong call. The referees have got it wrong. Um, he shouldn't have been ejected from the game. At most, minor penalty for a late hit. And even that, I don't believe it is. It has affected the... I put a tweet out on Sunday night that actually for quite a lot of traction when I say these are the kind of incidents that cost players and coaches their jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Sheffield Steelers have scored maybe 50 goals more than the other teams and you're giving them five-minute majors and you're taking your best penalty killer out of the game. Like, statistically, I've got the stats. I'm not Joel has them there, obviously, too. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we concede most of our penalties when Matt Pellic is setting penalties because he's our best penalty killer. Um, and I guess the only I, I I spoke to says during that first period break, and we discussed it. I was like, does he really need to make that hit? You know, it's a soft dump into the corner. Yes, there's a stealer coming down the right wing, and there's a stealer coming down the left wing that the D men are are tracking forwards have to pick because I don't really think uh, it's um they're number eight. Trace uh, Tronskinski um, yeah. as the guy who, who, who dumps it. He doesn't miss a shift. There's no injury in the scores, play, but he's kind of hit the brakes at that stage. So he's kind of already almost out of place, just up above the blue line. He can be tracked by another player. I don't think Pelly needs to make the hit. I understand chatting that says, "No, if you're a D man, you don't make that hit." Then you, the coach is sitting you. Matt Pellich isn't getting hit no. or not, isn't getting benched for not making that hit. Um, he's the captain of the team. I think in that instance, he'll maybe look back at that as well, where he probably shouldn't made the hit. However, the referees have all got it wrong and everybody on Twitter, apart from me, has got it wrong. It's a <laughs> fine hit and it's play on. It's a bad call. It's affected the game. Um, unfortunately for us, our, our penalty kill, which has been you know, up in the up in the eighty percent, top eighty percent, hasn't clicked on the night. We've given a team who already ramping in front of the net. You know, we've given them ample opportunities to the game. You know, giving them that first goal, too many many, too many men on the ice penalty. We're in the double figures for too many many, too many men calls this season. One too many men in the ice calls too many. When you're in the ten plus, you've got an issue. Boys need to learn to count. Get out there only five at a time. It's unfortunate. Let's give them a big start in the game. Then obviously Pelly's gone and, and, and taking the, the erroneous check on the head penalty, but that is, you know, the, the game has been killed um, mm-hmm. for us. They've obviously gone on the score on that penalty and go in with the lead. And, and yeah. then, you know, they're slashing, holding, tripping, high stickings. It's, it's just, it's something we're almost going back two seasons. Keeper's first season, we struggled a lot with discipline. Last season, 
it was something that were really effectively stamped out. It's something that's creeping in. It's not even so much I can live with two-minute penalties because statistically, when you look at our penalty kill, we've been really good. It's the 10-minute and 20-minute penalties that really, really kill this team. And, you know, we got away with it on Saturday night. Bobby Farnham takes one. Um, is it Ryan Liney? Somebody goes for a wordy, is it? Ward, Spearing? Ward goes for Spearing. I have no argument with the word Spearing. Yeah, it's a wee job in the nads, but you know it's, it's still silly. And like, and then obviously Pally takes the the game penalty as well. But I think the biggest talent thing is that there, there's nothing from Dobbs, and they've been pretty quick on on as you know. You, you've seen people comparing it to, to Brendan Conley and saying, "Oh well, if Conley got two games, that's five years." Conley cross checked a guy in the face. Yeah, there's there's no comparison. Always Seth Bennett, you always used to say, "Don't compare, you know, apples with eggs." Get you know, you cannot compare two different things with Dops. You've got to compare like for like. So Conley cross-checking someone in the face is not the same as what Matt Pallis did. Actually, Matt Pallis didn't do anything. David, you made a great point in our group chat. You said after that hit, not a single orange jersey went at Pellich. You know, I, I don't think it was seen on the ice even as contentious. Nobody went after him as if it was filthy. Just, will you see that? It's, it's right a valid... It's, sorry, yeah, it's a, it's a good enough point, Joel. Like, you generally... Generally, at any level of hockey now, a big hit draws a crowd. Yeah. Or a, a borderline hit certainly draws gloves on the ice. You know, this didn't even garner a, what are you doing, big man? It was just, or either they're incredibly disciplined and they went, oh, we're going the penalty kill here, lads. But it wasn't even like, <laughs> it. you know, so, you know, that's probably a, a factor as well. You know, the, the players in the opposition didn't even think it was worthy. Of, you see Pelly's reaction himself. Whenever he goes, he's not even particularly happy at having to go and sit a two-minute minor, minor, and he's sitting in the penalty box, and the the linesman sent to do the dirty work for for Thompson and um, Hogarth, and go, "You're out of the game, big lad." And he went, you know, a little apoplectic at that stage. He wasn't too happy getting through the game, and, and rightly so. But you know, it's just a stinking call. It's one of those that have to take responsibility. You know, I talk about players have to take responsibilities, coaches have to take responsibility. So do the referees. Hold your hands up and say it was a bad call. You get one look at it. It's kind of one of the things that bugs me is if we have the technology in in um, the arenas now to say whether, well, most of them are supposed to have, to say whether the puck crosses the line or not. In games of, of the magnitude of what we're talking about, teams that are competing for the title at the business end of the season, we're now almost in February, should be done from September, don't get me wrong. But if you're going to throw a guy out of a game based on, I think that he hit him in the throat there because it was called checking the head or neck, which is actually the new rule now. It's not mm-hmm. just checking the head, it's checking the head or neck. Right? Especially um, if you, ri- you, can, you can actually ride up the player as well. Well, you no, know, the principal no. point of contact is the, is the rule. It's, oh. If you're hitting, there's, there's all different things about as Joel talked about going low to high and stuff. But generally, if it's a hit to the head, if you if you make contact first, principal point of contact is is where what's levied as whether it's a hit to the head or neck. Um, <coughs> just go and have a wee quick look in the video. It had Sheffield Steelers TV had four angles, four different slow mos within ten seconds. Yeah, which would have cleared that up, and then it went. Uh, let's give him a two minute minor. Yeah. <laughs> or, or actually, you know what? We've got that wrong. Play on. Let's drop yeah. the puck. Down the ice. Um, 
you know, it's one of those. We so, could go round round circles about it. So, bad, so okay, bad, bad, I'll, st- I'll, I'll stick with you on this, David. Then sticking with this game, you know, we've we've spoken there for five, six, seven minutes on on the ejection of Matt Pellich. Is that sufficient yeah. enough reason for us to lose four one? Losing one um, guy. Well, we got ourselves. Obviously, we obviously got ourselves two one down on on that subsequent penalty kill. We have gone again that night. So we've gone. Penalty in the first minute, penalty in the fourth minute, um, then Pally's taking a five minute major on thirteen minutes. So we've played the first period more or less shorthanded. Um, we're playing our second game in two nights. We've had a travel day on the Saturday, we've had a travel day on the Sunday. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not making excuses. You've asked me for for reasons here as to is that good enough that we got beat four one. We played thirty almost thirty two minutes of those two games shorthanded. We've played half a game at the weekend with a man less than the opposition, that has to have an effect on legs, has to have an effect on mentality, it has to have an effect on guys that are sitting watching because they're not getting to play. Half that, so a quarter, 25% of the game game time at the weekend was played by our penalty killers and the, the guys that don't p- kill penalties didn't play. So they're already the amount of ice time they can get has been reduced by 25% over the weekend and then they're not getting a regular shift because it's stop, start, stop, start. All factors. Um, one of my real, you know, pains with Shevich, we're making Duba look like he's something special. He's I must I must look at, run the numbers there of what Duba is versus all the other teams, what Duba is versus us. Decent keeper. We're making him look better than what he is. I agree. Um, it's a it's a frustration for me as a goalie that gives up quite a lot of rebounds that we're not capitalising on that very well. We, we burned down pretty well. Five on five. Let's let's uh, five on five against the Steelers. I thought we were pretty good. Um, we made a lot of the play. We got inside. We had good opportunities to score. We couldn't pull the trigger on them. Um, you know, y- you hear that cliche about gripping the stick too tight. Um, I, I don't know. You know. Gripping the stick a wee bit too long. We we had opportunities to shoot, and we're perhaps making a move rather than having a shot. It's one of those. It's no point me sitting and you know in this room trying to tell a hockey player what to do. But analytically, we're not taking shots when they're there. We're making poor decisions at times. Five on five, we were pretty good. We were pretty creative. I, I thought uh, this the game we played against them a couple of weekends ago, and the game we played against them five on five. I think the two teams are very, very evenly matched. But special teams wise, you have to win that special teams battle. And unfortunately for us on Sunday night, the Sheffield Steelers dominated the special teams battle, and and ultimately that's that's why it's been a dominant looking scoreline. Ask the real deal. The question about the real deal: Are Sheffield the real deal? Very much looking like it, isn't it? Um, I mean. Here we are uh, in January. The Steelers are top of the pile with 53 and 38 games played. I guess the more games played is the glimmer of hope that the the chasing pack are looking at. But um, they just seem dominant on ice no matter who they're playing this year. Uh, They seem to be the team that has the momentum. But I stopped trying to predict this league uh, years and years ago because it can sometimes turn on a dime. Uh, you need to look no further than our position in January last year with, uh, with uh, co- sorry, well, I'm better saying look at Cardiff's position last January uh, with, with an 11-point lead uh, in the race. So, I mean, uh, Sheffield don't have that. Uh, it's, it's still tight and there are games to be made up, um, but they are certainly at this very moment strong, strong contenders and a very good hockey team. 
let's before we uh, before we move on, let's just hear Adam Keefe's comments in the post game interview. Adam, a great result last night for your side and a disappointing result tonight. Just walk us through that game. Well, I thought we, you know, I thought the guys turned up and, and gave it a good effort, but uh, I mean, anytime I think it was. 19 minutes in penalties and so was basically killing penalties for a full period against one of the or the top offensive team in the league and it's just not you're not starting the game very well on on, on that front and, and that's the difference in the game obviously three power play goals um, five on five I liked our game just was hard to find any momentum with all those penalties a big moment in the first period there when Pelic got ejected from the game to lose not only your captain but a, a big part of your defensive core as well did that kind of upset the game plan yeah, I mean, it was the wrong call. Uh, certainly wasn't a major penalty, but, uh, you know, a penalty nonetheless. Um, we need to make better decisions in those moments. Um, yeah, I mean, that obviously hurts our, our defense core going down to five. But, uh, you know, these you're going to face adversity throughout games. You need to be able to withstand it and find a way, and uh, tonight we didn't do it. The highlights of that game, Steelers TV on YouTube. Um Quick look around the league. Uh, it was a good weekend for the Sheffield Steelers. The night before they beat us, they also went to Ice Arena Wales or Viola Arena, whatever you want to call it, and took a win over the Devils, who had a bad weekend, a zero-point weekend for the Cardiff Devils because they went up to Dundee and got humped on Sunday night by Omar Pasha's side. Um, Nottingham scraped by the bottom place five flyers with a goal in the last... 15 seconds of the game they have leapfrogged the Giants and, and move up into is it third place they move up into they move into third place yes um, same number of points as the Giants but they've played two games less uh, it was a bad weekend for Fife uh, they stay bottom of the league they also lost 5-2 away at Manchester in the bottom of the table clash uh, Manchester uh, have released Kyle Hope uh, who steps up. Uh, he's been playing really well for them, but he's also stepped up for an opportunity in Denmark, and they've brought in uh, former MKD man the Croatian, Ivan Sijan. Um Let's see how they do. But finally, on the around the league section, Sheffield, uh, in their in in their program, uh, Two Point Tony Smith uh, wrote an article in which he had stated that all away fans would be banned from bringing any drums or instruments into the arena. Obviously, this is a reaction to something we mentioned briefly last week, where uh, Glasgow clan fans were asked to move because they were making too much noise with their drums. Um, based on those complaints, they've made a massive decision to ban any away fans from bringing in drums and therefore making any sort of noise. I made a comment on Twitter uh, earlier today basically saying that you have teams trying to cultivate you know, vociferous atmospheres to try to develop the game night and encourage people to make as much noise and create things like Block 13 and I know that Nottingham Panthers are doing whereas now the Sheffield Steelers are going the other way, Davey, and they're deciding that they don't want the away fans making any noise. That's, no, it's up to them if they don't want the make, away fans making any sort of rival noise, but um, I guess they, they're looking for a library. Um, it's a funny old one. Um, I can see both sides of the argument, I guess, because you don't want to give your opposition any kind of advantage at all. So I can understand why you'd want to, to keep the, <coughs> the away crowd as quiet as you can. Um, in terms of a spectacle and away fans being able to make noise, well, surely just like, come on, it's, 
it's a strange old decision. Um, it wasn't the NIC. You weren't allowed drums for years and years. I think mm-hmm. they've kind of relinquished a wee bit in that one. You're allowed drums there now, aren't you? But um, it's, odd one. It, it, it's, it's an odd one. You know, part of the, the, the good things that all those good away games we've been to is kind of trying to get on your team's back, you know, help them on an away game. We've been to, we've been to Cardiff when there's been the two of us and, you know, you can't do very much. So it's great when you can get a hundred people together and there's a bit of noise and you can have that bit of an atmosphere. You can do it without a drum, let's be honest. So you just have to be, you know, accept that it's their arena. They're not going to let away fans in with drums. It's a bit of a silly argument to be honest with you. Um, I want to, highlight a couple of things the Sheffield Steelers have done but that are good um, where we're always um, or we'll keep it for any other business yeah okay fair enough Joel your All thoughts right. on this incident yeah well before Davey pays any compliment to them and it's probably very very yeah, well Sheffield Steelers for... can't yep. <laughs> there it is yeah. uh, on ice uh Excellent season, not taking anything away from the Sheffield Steelers, and uh, it's it's far too easily brought up on Twitter by Sheffield fans who are very sensitive this year. By the way, yeah. so for a team that are doing very well and carrying themselves on ice and and pulling up big results, they seem very very obsessed. Three years by after uh, uh, yeah, it must be tough. I mean, uh, okay, I'll I'll be the hot take guy tonight. Then, aside from their excellent season on ice, uh, Sheffield Steelers as a club, I've said this before. Their demographic in this league, our league is full of uh, young fan bases, uh, you know, uh, varied kind of uh, ages and stages and whatever else. I think that the EIHL has a large female demographic in, in terms of sports. And I think it has an excellent young demographic and I think it attracts new people. I think that the Sheffield Steelers do not have that demographic. I have felt every time I've been there, whenever I listen to the tone of voice that they portray in their socials, whenever I look at their barn, whenever I look at their jaded, dated game night experience and that goon on the microphone who does not know when to stop talking, I think that they have an old crowd. I think the Sheffield Steelers fan base is old. And honestly, to me, this last... This slots right into that. Uh, you know, oh, we don't want drums. We don't want noise. Let's face it. You barely hear any noise in there at the best of times. Uh, they've got Rock the Block somewhere up in the rafters there. Who <laughs> is that still to, going? That's still a thing. Uh, or as it's called by Boomerang Corner, 10 mums, one drum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> Ten mums, one drum. <laughs> That's actually one of mine, and I was really proud of it. I'm sorry, I'm trying to be diplomatic, but I was uh, I was a few super pipes. There's the, there's deep the, the show and... title. There's the show title right there. <laughs> uh, but sorry, I completely lost myself there. Uh, but yeah, uh, with, with that said, though, that is my feeling on the Sheffield Steelers. I, I think that their fan base is out of date, and I think it's a dangerous game. It's like looking at baseball right now. Baseball's freaking out because their fan base is old, and they're trying to attract young new to the the sport i don't think sheffield do much outreach in terms of trying to attract that kind of younger demographic in your future fan base that's just an opinion i've held for a long time and it may be completely unfounded but um uh, 
with the shoe on the other foot, if the Giants suddenly banned away fans from bringing drums into the arena, it would be a piece of shithousery that I would lean into and applaud, and I would treat it as if it was the most important thing that the arena has ever done. So with that regard, it's fantastic in terms of uh, putting away fans' nose out of joint. I think that's really good. Um, but I think that the honest reason behind it is that that club is so out of touch with modern sporting experiences. It's, I can't argue with that. That's very well put, but I, I do like the the, the kind of underlying it's annoying away fans and that's good enough for yeah, me yeah i, yeah, I do enjoy that like but i'm not gonna it's not gonna stop me dishing out some hot takes of it. <laughs> uh quick look at the league table sheffield steelers as we say top of the league 38 games 53 points cardiff devils they are chasing four games back 34 34 games played 46 points nottingham as i said have leapfrogged into third place on the same number of points uh, 34 games played, 44 points. Giants, 4th, 36 and 44. Coventry, 36 and 40. Guildford and 6, 33 and 37 points. Glasgow Clan, 35 games, 32 points. Manchester Storm, 35 games, 30 points. Uh, Dundee Stars, just outside the playoff spots in ninth place, 37 games, 28 points. And the Five Flyers, they are struggling there, 36 games and 20 five points time for the final agenda brought to you by our friends at belfast giants tv joining us this week mr david goodwin how are you mate i'm doing well thanks for having me on no thanks for joining us um <laughs> i think we're running out of ways to say it's been a mixed mixed weekend for the belfast giants but unfortunately it was another weekend of winning on a saturday losing on a sunday it's <laughs> it's getting difficult to get on a bit of a run yeah absolutely you know i think Everyone was was pretty excited and pumped up about you know winning in Glasgow. You know sometimes that can be a hard place to win, and I, I thought we had some confidence going into Sheffield, but like you said, we uh, you know kind of found ourselves in a rut and uh, we weren't able to to get it done um, twice this weekend. So it was a little bit unfortunate. Given you know obviously there's been issues with scoring when you go into somewhere like Glasgow and you get four goals as quick as you did, uh, it must boost confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think anytime we're getting scoring from from different forwards, different lines, you know, I think that that gives us a lot of confidence. So, like I said, you know, we we were pumped up about you know doing well in Glasgow, and then just unfortunately, it just couldn't come together in Sheffield. David, that's it's David. Um, how do you find it since you came in? Obviously, you you, you were a player that came in slightly later in the season, and. Uh, you know, we're through straight in at the deep end, but there's been a few game-winning goals, a few first stars of the game. You must be enjoying it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I really, really enjoy it here. Um, you know, I, I feel we have a great group of guys in the locker room, um, so they've made my transition obviously a lot easier with how welcoming they've been. But also I think it's really important to mention, like, the fans and just the city of Belfast in general has been really welcoming to me and really supportive. So, um, yeah, feel feel uh, you know like this is really starting to feel like home for me, and um, really grateful for that. Goody, uh, Joel here. Let's talk about the toughest thing you've had to face since moving into Belfast, living with Kevin Rain. Uh, what's what's it like in the apartment with Rainer? Uh, I kind of imagine it's like having another wife. There's hair all over the bath. It's all over <laughs> We've the already floor. been into Kevin Rain's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us firsthand what that experience is like living with the the one and only Kevin Rain? Yeah, no, it's uh, 
Well, first I should say it's great. He's a great writer. Yeah, no, um, listen, it's okay. Standard, this is a standard. Standard. This is, you don't have to lie. This is, it's fine. But, this is a safe but, space. You know, got to gotta give, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, juicy content for the listeners. Uh, Let's go. You know, I know he, you know, he likes to spend a little extra time in the mirror, uh, you know, before we go out <laughs> at night. So I guess there are some similarities to, uh, you know, living with your girlfriend or something. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the living room, like, you know, having a beer before we go out, and he's still, you know, finishing up the final touches on the hair, so. <laughs> yeah, and he says, he always says, oh, no, I just scraped this back, you know, I just threw it back into a little bun, never even checked. Are you oh, telling me no, that's a total lie? No, there, there's a lot more of a process than he kind of makes <laughs> out, so. Uh, how much olive oil is in the bathroom at the moment? You know what? Thankfully, we have uh, we each have our own bathrooms, where I probably wouldn't get in. Oh, at God all, bless! So. God bless! Yeah, well, you're, you're so doing the rest of the team of service being in that apartment this year. You're doing a real great <laughs> job. So, listen, we're we're all here for you. You know, if if you ever need to talk or if you ever need to just get out yeah, there for a while, I'm, I'm just across the street. Not I not a problem, that. man. <laughs> Patty. Oh well, I'm going to go to Twitter. Um, a couple of. People who have been tweeting in questions, we asked them earlier on, David, and uh, <laughs> let's go for Pamela McElrath, who asks, do you have a routine before the match? Yeah, for the most part, um, you know, I like to, uh, I like to kind of, you know, get there a little bit earlier. I do some like visualization, um, you know, practices where I kind of think about different scenarios that, that I think will come up throughout the game and. I feel that kind of prepares me a little bit better um, when I kind of think about them before. And then I just kind of have like the same type of, uh, you know, warm up for my body. And then, um, you know, and then I just hit the dressing room and, and get and get ready. So I would say really the, the main thing that that's a little different for me is, is doing some of those visualization uh, warm ups. That's interesting. So is that like sort of because a couple of seasons ago, Chris Beach, who played for the Giants, did a lot of like meditation and time away. When it comes to the visualization, is that just a, a quiet time, quiet moment spent in your own, just thinking about how you're going to play the game? Yeah, yeah. So like, I'll I'll go and sit on the bench, you know, on the SSC and uh, and kind of like, yeah, like so it is it is quiet time, but I'm just kind of like you know looking out on the ice thinking about oh like if this situation happens let's make sure I do this or if I get this type of scoring opportunity like I might try this move just just certain situations that I that I'm you know assuming are going to come up in the game and I feel when I kind of think about them before a little bit um you know when it happens in game you know at game speed I'm able to make that decision a little quicker because oh yeah I've already thought about this before the game I'm ready to ready to you know take action a little quicker so Interesting. Um, Ryan Donaldson's tweeted in to say you've played in a few leagues now, but as a player, do you research, do you research uh, in the different rules in each league, or do you just pick up the differences as you go? Uh, you know, I, I think yeah, as far as like the on ice like rules and stuff, is that what he's referring yeah, to? Yeah, just or? like any sort of minor variations. Yeah, you know, not. I don't really do much research. You know, I th- it really only takes you know one game, maybe two, to kind of make sure you have you know all the all the rules down. I think you know n- nowadays, for the most part, the rules are pretty similar across the board. But one thing I would say that you know, for for myself, sometimes I play center and, I, and I'm taking face off sometimes, and sometimes those rules can differ league to league. You know, can you use your foot to kick the puck back? Can you tie up the the other centerman's stick before going for the puck? 
So that would be an example of something that, you know, I did need to kind of ask before my first game, just so I knew what the deal was with that. David, as someone who, um, who tracks statistics and stuff, how much has the, the change in the face-off rule affected, like a centre man, you know, last year or two years ago, you'd have just got through out of a face-off, another man comes in, now you get like one warning and your risk of the, the delay game penalty? Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, you know, and I'm sure you guys know, even just since I've been here, we've been hit with that delay game penalty at least twice. And, uh, so when that hand goes up from the ref telling you that you have that warning, you know, <laughs> your, your intensity level goes down a little bit, you know, cause you're like, all right, just drop the puck. I just can't, you know, obviously don't want to get a penalty. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's had a pretty big effect on the game. I don't know if it really, I'm sure they're doing it to speed it up or whatever, but I don't know if it really makes much of a difference on the on you know how how much quicker the games are. But I would say uh, as a centerman, you know, you just have to be a little smarter going into that faceoff dot because if you kind of get your first warning, your your chances of winning that faceoff, you know, obviously go down drastically. So I think uh, just kind of having a little sharper mentality going into the faceoff dot and not kind of that junkyard dog mentality you used to be able to have before that rule i'm not going to ask you to um single out or, or even criticize officials but does, is it a frustration uh, you know i see it from the sidelines is it a frustration that so many different linesmen will call it so differently they'll they'll, they'll seem to let certain players yeah. away with certain things at, at face-offs and and other other linesmen will come straight down on it you know what? You know, yeah. I mean, I certainly have. Uh, you know, like every player in the league, I'm sure I have my my issues with the officiating in this league. But I would actually say that's that's not really one of them. Only because as long as they're doing it for both teams, you know, you kind of get that feel at the beginning of the game. Okay, like this is what it's going to be like tonight. So you can kind of adapt. Um, I haven't found it to be that drastic throughout a game. Now, obviously, game to game, it can change pretty drastically as far as what they're allowing, um, you know, what they're allowing that night. But as long as it's, you know, somewhat consistent through the game, I think, I think it's fine. I'll go back to Twitter here. I've got a question from Sorsha Stevens, and it's a standard hockey player question. First time in 20 years. Uh, a number 64 has turned out for the Belfast Giants. How did you pick your jersey number? Wait, so I'm the first number 64 in, in for Belfast? You are. In the history yep. books. Wow, that that I like that. Um, how did I pick 64? I don't know. Just uh, It's always been a number that's that's been important to me, um, you know, ever since high school. And uh, I just have uh, kind of stuck with it. I, I've worn number nine a lot, but... Taft told me that that was not an option when I got here, so I kind of went with uh, my second favorite number, sixty-four. So, okay, I'll have to get on the Taft to find out why we're not allowed to use nine. Yeah, it's because I think, um, oh, oh uh, Lake, I think Laker, yeah, Laker, Laker was in first. Yeah, Laker yeah, had a yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why Char- charity box and match for number nine at the start of next season <laughs> when you obviously both come back. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Goody, I uh, I always like to do a bit of a deep dive uh, into a, a player's career before we have them on the show. Uh, 
And I couldn't not mention the fact that you were in Green Bay in the U.S. Hockey League back in, what, 2010 through to 12. Um, my heart was broken Bad on Sunday there. But a tough weekend for me uh, when, when Aaron Rodgers and his Green Bay Packers were dumped out of the, the playoffs by the 49ers. Uh, you were obviously in Green Bay in 10-11 when they last won the Super Bowl. I uh, just wanted to know, uh, kind of just personally, were, were you around the, the town of Green Bay? Were you part of that celebrations? What was it like to see this, the small town of Green Bay, Wisconsin, win such a big championship? Yeah, that's a great question. It was absolutely incredible. I was I was there. Obviously, the Super Bowl wasn't in Green Bay. It was somewhere yeah. you know, down south. But after they won... My roommate and I, we drove down to Lambeau and just to oh, feel nice. that environment and just the whole cool. city came out just to Lambeau to just, you know, go crazy. There was music, cars driving by everywhere. Um, it was, it was really, really special. So, and that was obviously the first time they had won it in a while. So the city was That's just right. electric. First time since 96, since Brett Favre won his last one. Yeah. But this is not a football podcast. Uh, my heart is broken. So uh, you were actually, you, uh, you shared a roster with Sam Hare, who's in uh, Nottingham. Uh, he was on that team as well, right? Yep, yep. He's one of my good buddies, yep. Very, very small world. Uh, I just take it to, to Twitter. There's a couple of great questions this week. Uh, my mate Rosie Auckland tweets and asks, what would be on your pregame Get Psyched playlist? Anything you love to hear in the barn? So again, this is a safe space. You don't have to pretend you're cool. What do you listen to on game day to get pumped up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I listen to... Let me think about this. I have like a little playlist. I have uh, some like Avicii, some techno on there, some house music, and then I listen to another house guy, uh, Zed. I like him a lot. Um, But I have some rock on there. I like I like the Killers. Um, I like Pearl Jam actually. So I try to you know not nothing nothing too you know you know hardcore you know uh, metal rock or anything. But but yeah, so kind of a little bit of a variety. I know Rainer's a country guy, but for you to swing from Avicii to Pearl Jam, that's, that's quite a playlist. That's a swing. <laughs> it's yeah, a wild, yeah. a wild playlist. <laughs> I uh, well, well, you know, it kind of leads up. You have like some, you know, more chill Pearl Jam songs, and then some <laughs> rock, and then you're into the house as you're rolling up to the SSC. So it's a it's progression. All planned. By, the, by the time I walk into the the locker room to see the boys, I'm ready to run through a wall. <laughs> that's not a beachy feeling uh, one more yeah. from Twitter uh, Alex McLaughlin tweeted uh, and we have, we have been blessed in Northern Ireland in the past couple of years with, with getting our, our first couple of Tim Hortons are you a Timmy's guy and if so what's your go-to order <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not really much of a Timmy's guy but uh, yikes yeah so you know I, I think that's my American roots compared to my you know yep. Canadian teammates coming through of course. Um, you know, in St. Louis, Missouri, the Timmys haven't come that far south yet. So, so I, unfortunately, I'm not a Timmys guy. I'm going to finish up with a couple of them on Twitter as well. Uh, Aiden McCauley, uh, what player swears the most? <laughs> what, what, what's the question? Which player swears the most? The most? Oh, wow. Uh we don't, we don't need we don't need examples. We just uh, yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah. And with, what's his favorite uh, word? <laughs> man, uh, that's a, you guys are asking. You guys asking me to throw all my teammates under the bus. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't. I don't think it's going to come as a shock. You know, if somebody says somebody says that they're swearing, yeah. <laughs> I'll say. Uh, 
man, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't know. I really, uh, next question. We'll sorry. say it, we'll say it. Okay, we'll, we'll just say it to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Walsh, uh, how does it feel to make such an impact coming in during the middle of the season? Uh, well, one, I'm honored that, you know, he says I've made such an impact. That's always great to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, try to try to do my thing every night and, and get on the score sheet and, you know, kill those penalties. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I'm really starting to, like I mentioned, I'm really starting to feel at home here. I'm really starting to take more and more pride to be a, a Belfast giant every night. So I feel like, um, you know, that's kind of fueled my, you know, my, commitment to making an impact every night so hopefully we have uh more of that down the stretch uh lawrence asks uh, your favorite blues player you watched growing up and did you get your hands in the cup in the summer uh my favorite blues player growing up would have to be al mckinnis oh, the defenseman yeah. uh, mainly because his he had a son that was the same age as me so he was kind of around some of our uh you know practices and would oh, do some cool. coaching so it was pretty cool uh, yes, I saw the cup this summer. Uh, I didn't touch it, but it was kind of always out, you know, at bars and in some of the different places. So it was kind of cool seeing it. What was that like for, for place like St. Louis to win, to win the cup at last? Oh, it was massive. I mean, first, first Stanley cup in the history of the franchise. Um, you know, the city had been waiting for it, you know, for such a long time. So it was, it was really special. Especially when you when you you've seen some great players come through there, you've seen the great one come through there. But for the, the cup to finally arrive is is such a big thing for any franchise, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Gretzky, Hall, Pronger, McInnes, some you know, tons of Hall of Famers have have played for the Blues, and so I think it was uh, it was definitely time for for the Blues fans to to get their cup. And last question from Twitter: We're going to go from Matthew Bell, who asks, "What's your favorite part of Belfast that you've visited so far, and is there anywhere you still want to see?" <clears throat> favorite, uh, like part of town, or just yeah? Like- well, yeah, that's what he says. For favorite part of Belfast? Yeah, I, uh, I don't really think I. Uh, I really like kind of going down towards uh, Queens, kind of towards uh, like Lavery's that that pub down there. Good choice. Yeah, some good some good restaurants down there. Uh, I ate at uh, Town Square. That was really good. Um, so I kind of like that area. A little bit of a younger crowd. You know, a lot of university university students walking around. So I, I enjoy going down there. Let's wrap up just for a quick question about this weekend, David. You know, it's the game against Glasgow, and then back over to Guildford. How's the preparation coming? Yeah, it's good. I think everyone's uh, you know really excited. Um, Really kind of eager to redeem ourselves after Sunday and, uh, you know, hopefully we can get that, that first one against Glasgow and then, you know, really kind of focus on, like you guys mentioned, getting that second one in the same weekend going into Guilford. So I think it's a, it's a really good test for us. Fantastic. We listen. Really appreciate your time and good luck this weekend. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks again to David. Um, this weekend's games, Belfast Giants home and then away. Uh, home against the Glasgow clan at 7pm on Saturday night. Get your tickets there or follow it on Giants TV with Sizz. Uh, and then on Sunday, we travel back to the Spectrum to take on the Guildford Flames. 6pm, no webcast on that. But we do have an, we did have an opportunity earlier today, I had the opportunity earlier today to catch up with the head coach of the Guildford Flames, Paul Dixon, and I asked him, sort off by asking him about just the other week and the quick start that they had against the Giants and what was the secret to their victory? 
Yeah, yeah, a secret. Uh, I wish I had one. I wish I had one. <laughs> and if you had one, you wouldn't be sharing it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, no, like I said, you, you hit the nail on the head. It was all about the start. Um, we got off to a terrific start in the first period. And to be fair, I didn't really expect it. Um, you know, we were obviously on a long trip the night before, and then we got back uh, early hours of the morning. And then to come out the way we did, um, yeah, it was good. It was a good game I mean the pace of the game um, from start to finish through all three periods actually was very fast um, against obviously a very strong Giants team but again you know I think 2-1 scoreline and then obviously two empty net goals as well kind of sealed the deal for us so although the scoreline it looked a lot bigger than it was it was actually a very close game um, but you know delighted from our side to get the uh, the win under our belt as well coming into this season I know we're over halfway through but I guess as a, as a side you know, Guilford we've only seen you twice so far once at home once away so to, to, to take your how you approached this season I guess following a solid season last year with a Challenge Cup final a, a semi-final in the playoffs and a decent showing in the league did you feel you had to change much coming into your side? Um, not really. Um, the the key thing was to keep the core of players who've now been with me for three years. Um, you know, the, the Jesse Craig, the John Dunbar, the yeah. Ian Waters, the the Cruz Reddicks. Um, you know, adding a Caliacra included in that, and then adding Rowley, um, who's a top quality defenseman. You know, and bringing back T.J. Foster, Crooks, Ferguson. And, you know, it was it was key that we tried to keep those guys and add a little bit more depth to what we had from last year. Um, to that roster as well but you know I think like the the biggest thing for us in the summertime was keeping that six seven guys um, because with that foundation you can build from you know I I think sometimes and you know everybody's philosophy is different um, but I think sometimes when you're changing 14 13 guys that's a lot I mean it's over half your team and you know you're trying to right from day one in September you've got to be trying to be at the races right from the get go and sometimes chemistry line combinations and you know it, it you just don't get that so I think if you've got guys that you trust that guys that have been in your system for a couple of years who've bought in to your system as well to bought in to, to buy into the philosophy of the club is key and all those guys have you know they've, they've bought into what we're doing here um, they're a pleasure to coach and like you say it was key to lock them guys down and uh, try and add a couple more along the way there coming into this season um, you know obviously some things work out some things don't you think you can get stronger as everybody does you know we want to be stronger than what we were last year and you know it's just unfortunate going back to the Challenge Cup uh, you know it was one bad period in Nottingham in that uh, quarter final at Costas yeah. it was just it was 20 minutes it was a 20 minute period out of six um, that really hurt us apart from that you know we went on to win the other five periods of hockey in that series but it was the one period the first one in Nottingham we weren't there and it cost us it cost us a place maybe going into that next round you know but uh, it is what it is um, but then obviously the league campaign for us ourselves is um, we had a great I think November we had a great November we went seven games on the bounce and we put ourselves in a good position um, we had games in hand um, we still do have a few games in hand on some teams up above us but we had mm-hmm. games in hand and we were in a strong position um, November with that run we went on and then Christmas just you know it wasn't that we played bad and I still don't think we've played bad over the last six seven weeks but we just haven't been able to win as many games as maybe what the performances have shown mm-hmm. Um 
you know, and it's, it's frustrating because, you know, if you play poor or if you're going through a bad run and, you know, the team's not playing well, well, you've got the answer for that. We're just, but we're playing well. <laughs> we haven't been, we haven't been getting the wins that maybe, like I said, the performances um, have deserved. But, uh, but you know, it, it is what it is. Teams go, it's a long year. You go through your highs and lows. And like I said, Christmas time for us wasn't, wasn't good. We, um, we dropped a lot of points at Christmas and put ourselves maybe back of the chase and pack who were uh, challenging for the, for the title, for the league title anyway. Um, but you know there's still a lot of hockey left and we've just got to keep on believing in what we're doing and like I said it's uh, it's a case of you know we haven't played badly um, we just haven't been able to one score goals um, you know that, that's one thing that we're a little bit lacking at the minute um, in yeah. goals for um, you know it's evident the league table tells you that with a goals for column um, but like I said it's we're heavenly out shooting teams uh, but we're just not it's not going in you know it's uh, it's frustrating it's interesting, you mentioned there as well about keeping that core together and just looking at your lineup and the top scores you go through them. They're all your know, Cruz, Reddick, Ian Waters, John, TJ, <laughs> Brett, Kelly, Jesse, Jimmy Crooks. In that list, though, they, these are all guys with, with, with solid experience in the Elite League. So is that obviously that experience in the Elite League is key? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, like you say, it's, uh, you know, they, they, they themselves now are two, some of them are two and a half years into the league and they know the league, they know the rinks as well. So, you know, obviously they know Guildford when they come back from the summertime, what the city's all about, what the club expects. And it's, it's that familiarity as well, isn't it? And I think obviously, you know, like you said, all, all the top scorers in our team are the guys that, the, the core guys that I talk about, the guys that we want coming back as well. And yeah, it's, uh, it definitely helps, um, obviously being in the league for a couple of years. Are you also brought in D, you know, with British experience with Stevie Lee, obviously a GB level experience. Well, how important was bringing in a player like Stevie? Yeah, excellent. You know, I, it's just uh, one thing I forgot about Stevie there, but uh, you kind of, you know, when you bring in someone with that experience from the league and, you know, he, the the team that Nottingham's been over the years and obviously the pressure from playing in Nottingham also, then he can bring that experience to, to ourselves as still a new club in this league, if you, if you want to call it that. But um, like I said, it's just his experience both on and off the ice. He's a, obviously GB national team player as well. So it's not just, it, it's, it's, it's on the continental side as well from continental cup victory that he had it's you know he's got a lot of experience and um you know one he's a he's a solid defenseman he's a really solid defenseman and how we looked at that one was you know if you get a guy like stevie who was interested in coming um then you know it gives you a little bit more of an option with maybe bringing in or looking at another import in a different place because you know stevie's as good as a solid import defenseman in this league and he's he's, he's british that's the that, that's the bonus of having stevie like you know obviously yourself you colin shields are there you've got O'Connor Dow like these guys these guys are as good as imports and when you get these core top British players and like you say it is like adding a, a really healthy import to your roster one of the things for Guildford the last number of seasons has been that uh, that import tandem. Obviously, Mike Will's there as well as a backup, but you've got that import tandem in goal of Travis Fulton. And this season, you brought on Wooden Peters. So you're sticking with that idea of having two import goalkeepers. Yeah, we, we we definitely, you know, I mean, again, you're going to be over 60 games in the season and we just, we look at it and, and every, everybody looks at it again differently, but from where we are, Guildford, obviously, we have a lot of travel, um, you know, it, there's no really short journeys for us, so with that, you, bus rides can be seven, six, 
10 hours long. Um, and as you know, the schedule, sometimes Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, the bonus for that from our side is we can leave as goalie at home um, and travel up to Scotland or Manchester, wherever it is, play the goalie. And then the other goalie sits in Guildford for the day and he's well rested. And then we come home and he plays the following night after being here um, back home. So it's worked well for us for the two and a half years. And yeah, it, it's something that we will um, look to do while we're in this league for sure. Um but like I said, it's it's it, the key thing is is getting two goalies that want to be in that system as well. And you know, every every goalie wants to be a number one, which is granted. But it's also getting two of the right guys with the right personality that say, you know what, I don't mind maybe playing you know thirty five, where the other guy maybe plays twenty five or thirty or even less, depending on if a goalie gets hot. But you know, the one thing that we do, and I think we do it well here, is we talk to both goalies um, before games, and you know, certain goalies favour certain rinks. It's just it's sometimes it's certain players favour certain just you know sometimes when you have that um, communication with them you say well you know over the last few years I've had a stinker in that rink it's not really my rink I don't play well so that kind of solution solves itself and then all of a sudden it's like oh well I've had three shutouts in there last year and well you'll be playing that game then in that ring so it kind of you know, it doesn't always work out thing, that way it? yeah it is yeah definitely with a goalie's net mind as it is yeah. but it doesn't always work out that way but you know we, we kind of try to cover every angle and look at it from that side um, certain goal like I said, play well in certain rinks and others don't. But, uh, you know, we've got kind of two ends of the spectrum this year, whereas Travis, obviously, is slightly older, veteran goalie, being there, done a, you know, been around a long, long time. And then we went with um, with Ruda, who's he's 21 years old, you know, yeah. and, and he's, he's just learning, like, you know, he's just starting. He's, but he's he's got he's got great potential. I mean, you know, he's a modern day goalie. He's six foot four. He's a big frame. Um, but at the not end many of the Belgians day, in the league. No, that, yeah, you're right. <laughs> very true. Very true. But you know, he, he, like I said, he's, he, he was in the Salzburg Academy Junior mm-hmm. System. He was in Jokeritz. Um, he's a third round draft pick of the Shikar. So, you know, there's a lot of people seeing the, the talent that's there. It's just now at 21, he's just got to try and progress to get to, to get to the next level. But, um, you know, he's, he's a, he's, he's a raw goalie, but he's very talented on his night. He's a very, very good goalie. And, you know, with that, we, it wasn't a gamble. It was just he, he became available, um, you know, from a team in Finland where he was on a tryout, and you know we we just thought why not? Why not? And he's been good, you know. It's, uh, but we have to remember at the same time he's he's only twenty one, and twenty one's no age. <laughs> it's not. It's really not. He certainly had a good game against the Giants the other week. Um, coming up to this weekend, you've got Nottingham away, and then of course back to Spectrum to face the Giants. Uh, how are preparations going for that? Yeah, sure. It's just, you know, we're coming off a one game weekend just gone here and um, we don't like one game weekends. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know why when you don't play, when you don't play on a Saturday and then you play on a Sunday, you just seem to always come out flat a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't know why that is. And I think every team suffers with that. Uh, maybe it's just obviously out of the routine. that Routine, we do. yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, it was a good game and yeah, against Coventry. I thought it's a game that we should have won. Again, we outshoot a team two to one and we get beaten overtime. Um, so, you know, there's the disappointment of the loss, but again, we played well enough to win the game and we didn't. Um, so, you know, training obviously back today and then we've uh, got all week for the preparation for, for Nottingham first and, and obviously Belfast on um, Sunday. But, you know, nothing changes. We just get back to practice, go over a few things and just try and score some more goals and work on a few special team things and uh, like I said just prepare but you know you look to the you look to the weekend and it, it just you, you know we're looking for wins everybody is at the moment but you kind of think oh, you know not in them and not in them and then Belfast at home it's just it's relentless you know but 
it's credit to everybody because, like I've said all along from the, from the start of this season, there's just I don't think there's any results where you can think, well, that team's going to win there, that team's going to win there tonight, and you know that makes for a great league. And I think you know I think the gap now between the top and the bottom teams has closed immensely, as we've seen mm-hmm. from the results this year. And you know, like I said, it makes for a better league. But for ourselves, you know, we've um, we've we've had a win in Nottingham um, in the regular season there uh, the last time we were in there so hopefully we can draw from that and obviously you know it was only a week ago that we beat Belfast at home so hopefully you know we can carry that little bit of momentum from that game uh, into the game on Sunday but with that obviously comes more determination from Nottingham because they know we beat them in there in the last league game so they're going to be fired up for that and then Belfast sure they're going to be coming into Guildford wanting to put that defeat right so you know we're, we're certainly going to be up against it this week for sure. And just finally, what are your targets this season, Paul? Obviously, I mentioned that you know with the with the Challenge Cup final last season, a, a really good showing in the semi final of the playoffs against the Giants. You know, what, what targets have you set your boys for this season? I think I think at the minute with um, how much of a roller coaster it's been, it's just we just have to focus on on the games that's coming up at the weekend, and you know all all we're trying to do now is just win hockey games and just try and you know try and finish as high up that table as we can. And like you say, it's uh, it's been frustrating for us um, over the last few weeks here, but we've just got to keep on doing what we're doing. And like I said, I, you know, and I, and I think all the boys agree when we've had our meetings and so we're not playing bad hockey, we're playing good hockey, but it was just like you say, the puck's just not going in the net. Us, but we've just got to keep going and uh, hopefully you know maybe we're not having that puck look at the minute maybe we're not um, having the bounces and maybe that's going to come at the end of the year or in a little bit of time for us where we need it so like I said but the focus for us is trying to win the games um, at the weekends and uh, trying to climb as high up that table as we possibly can and then you know yourself once you get into the, the playoffs um, if you make the playoffs in the playoffs, quarterfinals, semi-finals, uh, you know, you, it's anybody's really. But you want to be, you want to be getting hot just around that time. So you know, that's uh, that's the goal that we've got set at the minute. But you know, not looking too far ahead. I think you just got to again, we look for for Nottingham and Belfast this week, and then you know, once the weekend's passed, we move on to the next game. Thanks very much to Paul Dixon. Like I said, the game Glasgow, 7pm on Saturday down at the SASE Arena. Tickets are available or follow it on Giants TV. And if you want to see the Giants travel against the Guildford Flames, you need to travel over to Surrey and watch it there because there isn't any webcast. 6pm on Sunday. Uh, we were going to try and doorstep Neil the Coach Russell on this. We've tried calling him. He didn't answer. So we're just going to move on. Any other business, gents? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see that. Well, he didn't answer. I listen. He, he'll, he'll give some excuse that he was over at Sheffield United because City were playing. I don't buy that. Yeah, but anyway, any other business? I'll just uh, say a quick uh, happy birthday. As as you boys know, it's oh, only yes. Bobby Farnham's birthday. So uh, Bobby Farnham's birthday. Only Bobby Farnham's birthday. So a big happy birthday to the wrecking ball. Uh, we love you very dearly, and, and long may your uh, reign in Belfast last. <laughs> David, you wanted to say some nice things about the Sheffield Steelers. Gone off the idea, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's go. Well, I can I? Can I? Unbelievable, this guy. I had two bottles at once. There, that was two at once. That was unreal. Uh, I'll, 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 uh, I'll provide some context to my hot take. Uh, very much love and appreciate uh, the older fans. You know, they, they definitely <laughs> have a, a place in the sport. Ten uh, on drum. De- definitely, definitely not here to be ageist, uh, and, and obviously uh, as much of a right to be there. And to be honest, probably provide more wisdom than us Egypts. Uh, but point being that Sheffield are not doing anything to try 
and encourage new blood. And I think that their entire experience is out of date. That's just a little bit of context. Nobody sue me. That's I think that's fair enough. Uh, what else are you? Second period reminded me of a movie of Slapshot. I've no no reason for that. That has, isn't actually what I was looking for. I think I was looking for. There it is. <laughs> the only um, the only AOB I guess that I have is just to thank everybody again that's managed to go and do, donate some of their. Um, their claret this week it's much appreciated um there's another few party i know that you're going to update the spreadsheet one of these weeks and give us the the up-to-date stats to see what we've got to do we've got to push this we really would love to hit that hundred target it's it's something that's really important to us here at the podcast that we we try and get as much as we can for the charity and, and as many pints of blood as we can you know i had a friend there at the weekend who had to go in the hospital and have three pints of of the liquid gold at the weekend so you know somebody's you know how many people have had the sacrifice you know taking away already your day you get a free biscuit you get a free free cup of tea and uh, you're doing something that's absolutely wonderful um we'll set you up with a drink at the end of the season courtesy of uh the odyssey trust says you know what phone and cab there is going to put a tenner ahead into the into the pot as well so if you're listening on cool fm or whatever you want to get involved you, you want to get yourself down to the odyssey and uh Come and see what it's all about at the Giants and, and give a pint of blood at the same time. We will do what we can to help you along the way. So thank you, everybody. It's managed to get involved with the Bleed Tail 100 so far. Absolutely. Um, and finally, Joel, you know, you weren't here last week when we were talking about it. This weekend is the uh, is the AHL Pride weekend. The Giants with their quality as well. It's a big weekend. It is indeed, yeah. Uh, you know, it's there's been some... Uh, to be honest, I'm absolutely beleaguered with the the to and fro and and people sort of chirping about the the most inconsequential stuff. Uh, you know, and I I I, I personally uh, am a big supporter of of pride, uh, and and you know, I, I some of my best friends um, are, are are gay people, and and I'll defend their right to be that, uh, and their right to be you know as uh, treated as equal as everybody else. Um, and, and you know, I, I I I don't mix my personal beliefs in politics with with this you know this part of my life with the giants with and I've never had to do it before and it feels uncomfortable to be honest to a certain degree. Um, but but I am I am pro pride uh, and you know even the politics behind it as you guys know I'm a bleeding heart liberal lefty um, and I'm happy to be chirped to bits for that. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's a big weekend. Uh, there there are maybe elements of it that people don't like. There are maybe ways in which that they they would have done it, but. Um, I believe that the club has the best intentions with this. I believe that they're trying to navigate new territory that they've never really had to navigate before. Um, I completely refute the fact that the the Giants are trying to steer clear or, or are somehow uh, being anti-LGBTQ+. Uh, I, I just... Uh, it's it's uncomfortable, to be honest. I'm... I'm uh, I'm low key looking forward to getting this weekend out of the way. As as good as a as an initiative as I think it is across the league, um, it's obviously shone a light on on some kind of issues. You know, there are so many varied experiences and opinions. Uh, there are people within the the gay community who think this weekend's fantastic, um, and then there are people who don't identify as gay, saying it's you know it's it's the wrong way around. Um, I don't know. I just, I, my, the main thing I like about the Giants is that I have to, I get to leave all my personal stuff at the door and, and enjoy hockey. So this is a kind of first for me where it's kind of uh, two worlds coming together. I don't know. I'm maybe rambling here, but, um, I think I think it's progress. Uh, I think it's it's uh, I think it's interesting. I think the the league kind of moving into that. I do have uh, okay. Here's another hot take on the close of the show. Uh, hmm. 
I have a problem with. Uh, right, okay. Stephanie McMahon, uh, daughter of Vince McMahon of wow, WWE fame, said in an interview uh, four, five, six years ago that philanthropy is the future of marketing. Um, and it has proven to be one of the most uh, accurate business things I've ever heard. You look at WWE, who did. Uh, uh, who continue to have a long-standing relationship with Susan G. Komen, which is a, a breast cancer charity, and they do a pink rope and everything's put like turned pink. You look at the NFL, who end up having you know, pink gloves, pink whatever else, do breast cancer stuff. Not to be cynical, but those initiatives are designed to attract uh, a different audience. You know, there, there's a reason that the NFL, which is a male dominated sport aren't doing prostate cancer because they already have that male market they're doing the, the pink stuff because it's to attract uh you know women uh that different demographic wwe are doing it as well and there is marketing behind the philanthropy whenever you see this kind of stuff in sport there's a certain element of me as uh and you know i grew up as a little punker i'm a bit of a, a, of, a of a rebel a bit of a nihilist a bit of an anarchist whatever you want to say um, there's a certain part of me that doesn't like the the corporatization of what is at its very heart a protest and, and a political thing, um, and I think there are uncomfortable crossovers there. Um, you know, my my personal beliefs are that I I am a, a diehard pride supporter, uh, proudly pro LGBT. Uh, you know, I, I just I I have there's a certain discomfort for me with crossing this kind of stuff with business and with sport. And um, because it takes away from what pride originally was, which was a protest. I don't even like the fact that it's kind of gigs and parties and everybody gets drunk and goes into the city center on pride anymore because it takes away from it originally being a grassroots protest movement. And, um, but these are massive, massive, bigger conversations. And to be honest, I just like ice hockey and I'm really looking forward to people stopping, picking over the details of shirts and picking over profile photos and trying to to deduce uh, things based on that. Um, I think that Luke should be commended for trying to do something in the league that has never been done before. Um, and, and it's interesting to see how this weekend plays out. You're never going to please everyone. I think the Giants are treading new ground and they're trying their very best. But uh, I, I got personal get there, I guess, and I, and I express personal political views. But um, it's just, it, it's an interesting couple of weeks. It's been interesting to watch all of the replies and all the responses. But um, anybody who uh, is unclear on my personal views feel free to give me a call and i'll be very glad to say you straight that that for me well said i'll give you a little round of applause there but that for me is one of the the key things about the belfast science is that we can all have an individual political religious whatever opinion and you come to the door and you check your bag off and you can pick it up on your way out if you want or if you've had a change of heart while you're there you can leave it behind you uh, and when you're at the the SSE, the Odyssey, you're there to support Belfast, and and you're, we're all just one night. I've had a lot of feedback on Twitter this week and private messages, which the vast majority of them were asked to be kept anonymous for one reason or another, which I absolutely respect. I've had some conversations with people on the phone where I've said, "Here's my phone number. Let's talk about this," rather than just you know anonymously exchange messages we know each other on twitter but let's do it let's let's talk and i've had conversations with people this week and had my eyes opened to a few things now I, I said last week on the podcast and it was my belief that the SSE stroke the odyssey was a good place and a safe place to watch hockey and especially with the pride thing uh, and the lgbt thing i'm not gonna i'm not gonna gloss over what people say to me but 
there's maybe a reason why LGBT people that have issues perhaps never came to me directly. All the stuff I had was about um, some religious stuff that people weren't happy with, which I, I've, I've spoke to them all and I've said, oh, look, I'll take your stuff in whatever platform we have to the Belfast Giants. And I've spoke to Brooksy about a couple of these things. There's only so much the club can do about individual idiots, right? You get them wherever you go. There's going to be people that shout stuff that's inappropriate. Should it be, I won't go as far as sectarian, but I'll say there's there's religious stuff around Northern Ireland issues that people shout at the hockey allegedly that is out of order. If you hear someone saying that, nip it in the butt. If you're not confident enough to do it, speak to someone that might be or speak to security stroke event sec, whoever's looking out there. So I had that. I've, I've, I've had stuff about bullying, physical confrontations, um, as I say, religious stuff. And, so there are issues that we have to get better at. And if this weekend makes us focus and drill down back hard again on our game for all, game for anyone, and in the giants everyone's equal, we have to push that out there to make sure people know that coming to the SSE and the Odyssey is a good place to come and have a good night out. You'll be safe. You'll not be confronted with religious stuff. You'll not be confronted with stuff that would embarrass your parents if you're with them. You know, some of the stuff that gets shouted, yep, I understand. I had a good conversation with a girl about some of the stuff. And to be honest, you know, I've been involved in it in the past. I've been there, especially in away games, more than at home games, perhaps. But, you know, there's stuff that's shouted at games. I'd be uncomfortable if my mum or dad was sitting beside me. And I've got to understand that you're talking about a, a slightly older demographic at times. And you have to understand that the demographic in Belfast, there, there's people that don't like that kind of stuff. And, and Paddy put it, Paddy had a great conversation with me the other day. He can come back in if he wants on it. You know, he he elaborated on why that stuff's okay. Um, might be uncomfortable, but, you know, it's not everybody has got their own take on things. Um, but we need to do better as an organization. And if this is towards doing better, and it's all inclusive, I know we're, we're taking heat tonight because our, our logo this week isn't rainbowed enough. I'm not brilliant at Photoshop yet. If I was, would I have made it rainbow? I'm not sure I would have because, you know, I, I have issues a little along the line of what, mm-hmm. about the marketability of it. Is it to support pride or are, are, are there teams within this league making money this weekend out of the back of it? The Nottingham Panthers, for example, aren't doing a pride jersey. They're bringing forward their Valentine's, Valentine's jersey. And they're giving every penny of profit to the local cardiac ward. In fact, to be transparent, if you want to buy a jersey, you make the check out to the hospital. That's excellent. Okay. So big tick in the box. Luke, Luke was brilliant. Luke is an absolutely fantastic guy. And he spoke really well on the podcast. Last he said, listen, it's small steps. We spoke to you can play. They can't believe that every team's on board. This is year one. Every journey begins with one step. You know, people want to hammer Belfast. People want to hammer Belfast Giants. People want to hammer me. That's fine. We're all on a journey here together, just trying to work our way through the world. And we're all maybe only taking our first step. And, you know, it's a process. Everything in life's a process. And, you know, 
that's that's not a hot take or a spicy take like yours, Joe, but it's just my take. <laughs> nope. Well said by both. Um, just like I, I'm not going to really add to anything you guys have said. I know you and I had that conversation earlier this week about you know sensibilities of what people are shouting and yeah. what what's offensive to some is not offensive to others, and it's I guess partly knowing your audience. And I don't mean that in saying that you know you can shout whatever you want. You absolutely cannot shout whatever you want if it becomes hateful. That that is there are things that are that are beyond the pale, but there are certain things that aren't, you know, you can, you can, you can push the limits when you, I've done it myself. My language in Germany was atrocious, <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, but you can push the limits at times, uh, but not to an extent where you compromise what is a safe space. And in the world that we live in today, you know, pushing the limits for some will be, will be offense to others. And it's, it's a difficult, Tight, walk, tight rope to walk, but you know, yeah, I think I think both you lads said your bits. Uh, I can't add anything more to that. Uh, the, the, this weekend, as we say, is the EIHL Pride weekend. The Giants will have their quality jerseys. They will be raffled off, and uh, all proceeds go into the Junior Giants and the diversity that is within that part of the organization or that organization. I know they're run as a separate organization. So, so get down to the SSE on Saturday. The game at 7pm against the Glasgow clan. Uh, tickets available. And if you can't get down there, Giants TV. Sunday, we're away to Guildford. And as I say, there's no webcast. 6pm. And keep an eye on Twitter for any updates and the likes. Uh, big thanks to Paul Dixon and to David Goodwin for their time. You want to get us at AVFTV on Twitter, send us your stew recipes. Uh, podcast <laughs> at kingdomofthegiants.com www.kingdomofthegiants.com for all of our post-game uh, articles from Joel and all of our AVFTV uh, interviews. Um, anything else? Facebook, Tinder, Grinder, we're on it all. Um, I, th- I believe. Um, <laughs> Mr. Majimsey and Mr. Neil, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure as always, boys. Thank you. See you after. And uh, wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey. We'll catch you here next time on a view from the bridge. Podcast Network.